Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Here's a new episode of the podcast. You know that regularly listening to this podcast will definitely help you learn English, but you'll improve even faster if you combine it with other types of study particularly by talking to qualified native English speakers. And you can now do that online with italki, the sponsors of this podcast. I've got a deal with italki, which means that you can get some free teaching time. It's pretty simple. Just sign in to italki, search all the teachers they have, and you can find teachers for exams, business English, or just for speaking and language correction. Then when you make a purchase, when you buy some teaching time, italki will give you uh, 100 italki credits, that's about $10 worth, which you can use as a discount in the future. To get started and to get that offer, go to teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or just click an italki logo on my website. Okay, so use italki, it's a good way to improve your spoken English, all right? Now, here's a new episode and here is the jingle now. You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're having a nice day, or even if it's not the day, I hope you're having a nice, I hope you're having a nice time wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Um, you're probably on public transport or something. You're probably on the move. It seems that lots of my listeners are listening to this podcast when they're on public transport, which I think is a very good way to listen to the podcast, if I'm honest. Um, sometimes I meet people who don't listen to the podcast. Let's call them civilians. I could call them muggles, you know, like people who don't listen to this podcast. We need a word for those people. I'm going to call them civilians, all right? So sometimes I meet civilians who um, don't know about the podcast, and I tell them about it. And, you know, they don't know how to listen to it. They just don't know how to listen to it. I think there is a certain way to listen to not just podcasts, but, you know, also this podcast in particular. Um, there's probably two ways of listening to it. One way would be you, 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 you're multitasking. Uh, that's when you're listening to the podcast while you're doing something else. So it could be that you're traveling somewhere. It could be that you're just sort of doing something that doesn't require that much mental effort, like you're doing the ironing, you know, the housework, things like that. Um, so multitasking or traveling or something. Uh, and then the other thing is where you just sit down and you just devote all your attention to the episode. That could be if you're transcribing um, an episode of the podcast. We could call you the transcribers. Um, so uh, many ways of, of listening to this um, podcast. Uh, traveling, multitasking, transcribing, or simply just lying back. Maybe you're just lying on a sofa or something um, and, and listening. Um, now, let's get, let's get started. Let's get straight down to it without too much um, rambling at the beginning. So welcome to another new episode of the podcast. Um, if you are lying down on a sofa or lying, in, lying down on a bed or something while you're listening to this, then good for you. 
Um, and in fact, uh, that's quite appropriate because this episode does feature some lying down on a sofa, and, uh, and you'll find out why in a moment. Um, so this episode features another natural conversation with a native English speaker, uh, one of my friends. This time I'm talking to my mate Carrick Cameron. Now, I've known Carrick for about 10 years. Um, he's a teacher who used to work in the same school as me back in London. That's the London School of English, which uh, is still a very good school. It's still a very good school, even though Carrick and me aren't working there anymore. Of course, it's an excellent school, the London School of English. You can just go to londonschool.com to check out their website. That's not that's not a sponsored mention. I'm just saying that to you because it's a really good school. Anyway, londonschool.com. So we both used to work at the London School of English. Um, and Carrick and I have got a few things in common, like music and teaching, and also the fact that we've both had a few strange traveling experiences as English teachers. And, um, you know, I thought it might be nice for you to listen to us talking about some of those things. Um, like, for example, the time when Carrick once attended a meeting in Germany at um, a company called Deutsche Bahn. Uh, and the meeting involved not only the usual business of running a company, but also the drinking of some very rare and expensive Scotch whiskies, which meant that the meeting turned into a kind of musical drunken party with guitar and flute playing, quite a lot of whiskey drinking, a late night, and then, unsurprisingly, a bit of a hangover the next day. And all of this took place in Germany, as I said. So you could say that he had a hangover in Hanover. (laughs) Uh, Yes, because... Obviously, Hanover is a city in Germany. Um, So, yeah, he had a hangover in Hanover. Although, to be honest, he was actually in Frankfurt, not Hangover. And Frankfurt, obviously, is very far away from Hanover. So, yeah, to be honest, I just wanted to to say the line, a hangover in Hanover, because I thought it sounded clever. Um, Yeah, so that was supposed to be funny and clever, the bit about the hangover in Hanover. But never mind, all right, never mind. Um, So we also share uh, in this conversation a few other anecdotes and travelling experiences we've had, including also the time when I ended up being invited to my Japanese doctor's house on New Year's Day to make a kind of traditional cake by bashing a ball of wet rice over and over again with a big wooden mallet while being laughed at by a group of small children. Does that sound familiar at all? Have you ever done that? Have you ever... Uh, ended up being invited to your Japanese doctor's house on New Year's Day to make a kind of traditional cake by bashing a ball of wet rice over and over again with a big wooden mallet while being laughed at by a group of small children? Um, Well, in fact, you might have if you're Japanese or indeed if you've ever spent New Year's Day in Japan. Um, I expect that most of you have never had that experience, though, of course. Um, Do you have any idea what I'm talking about, everyone? Well, keep listening to this episode and you will find out. Um, Another quick thing to say now is that admittedly, the sound recording, the sound quality during the interview is a bit poor, okay? I understand the sound quality is not great. Um, I recorded this conversation with Carrick over Skype because, you know, I'm in France and Carrick is in England and Carrick uh, wasn't able to get to a computer with a good microphone because he was and still is completely stuck to his sofa with a very bad back, the poor guy. He's got a very nasty slipped disc in his back, which means that he can't move. What's a slipped disc? Well, you know your back, your spine, 
all the bones in your back. That's called your spine. Well, each individual, you know, bone, it's it's kind of like you they're they're large at the bottom, you know, the the bones in the spine, the vertebrae, they're large and thick at the bottom, and as they go up the back, they get progressively smaller and smaller. Okay, so these are the vertebrae in the spine. And the each vertebrae um is I, I understand is uh uh, be- between each vertebrae, you get like a layer of cartilage. And these pieces of cartilage are known as discs. And it's quite common, especially when you're a man of a certain age, like Carrick and perhaps me uh, in a few years, it's quite common for those discs to cause you problems, especially if, for example, you bend down without without bending properly. You know, if you bend down and lift a heavy object without bending your knees, you might you know, damage one of the discs, the, one of the discs might slip slightly. Uh, that condition is called a slipped disc. And it's very painful indeed, because all of the nerves, you know, there are complicated nerves in that part of our body, and the nerves get badly affected. I'm sure it affects women too. In fact, it's not just men, of course. Um, so Carrick has got a slipped disc, which is giving him lots of pain. And I've got a lot of sympathy for him, because it must be very painful and difficult. Um, and it means that he can't move at all. So during this interview, he was basically lying on his back, talking to me over Skype with his phone in his hand. So if you're lying on your back in some other situation while listening to this, well, you know, you're in good company, basically. Um, so anyway, I know that the sound is not 100% great in this uh conversation, and it might be difficult to hear Carrick's words at times. You know, I have done my best to try and make the sound as clear as possible using my software and stuff like that. But um, So it might be difficult to hear everything he says, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's actually very common these days to speak English over Skype or on conference calls. Like, for example, if you're in a business meeting, if you're, an inter- if you're in an international business meeting talking to someone who's in another country, the sound isn't always perfect in those situations, is it? Um, so I think that you need to get used to hearing English in less than perfect conditions. Um, so audio quality is a bit bad, admittedly, but don't give up. Um, even if it's difficult to hear, don't give up. You will get used to it after a while. And ultimately, it's good practice. Um, and anyway, sometimes my listeners, you know, you, you send me messages saying, could you make it a bit more difficult, please? I can understand every single word you say. I want it to be a little bit more difficult. Well, okay, then. Here we go. Here's a conversation with a native speaker. And the sound quality is not perfect. Let's see how you deal with it. All right. So um, here's a little, here's a couple of comments to give you focus. As you listen uh, to the conversation, watch out for these things. All right. Watch out for the moments when Carrick intentionally switches from an English accent to a Scottish accent and back again. He's very good at doing a Scottish accent. He does an accent, a sort of standard Scottish accent, maybe from Glasgow. So he's very good at, at, at doing a Scottish accent. And he can switch between English, an English accent like mine and a Scottish accent. So watch out. Can you identify when he switched from Scottish into English and back again? Uh, watch out also for the way in which Carrick describes different types of Scotch whiskey, including words that he uses to describe uh, the taste of the whiskey and the way in which those whiskies are made, all right? Um, so, you know, be mindful uh, of vocabulary and grammar 
that you're hearing. But above all, just enjoy being able to listen in on this conversation between a couple of mates. Um, You can imagine perhaps that you're in the room with me listening to the conversation on speakerphone. Or if you prefer, you can imagine that you're lying down on a sofa uh, somewhere while you're listening to this. Or in fact, if you even are lying down on a sofa, then you don't need to imagine it. You can just do it. If you're on public transport, then, you know, um, I hope that uh, I hope it's nice on that bus or train. Um, I hope you've got a nice view out of the window. Um, anyway, that's it now for my introduction. I will now get out of the way and let you listen to this conversation in full. And I'll speak to you again when the conversation is over. So here it is. Here's my chat with my mate, Carrick Cameron. Here we go. Right. Carrick Cameron, welcome to Luke's English Podcast. Thank you. Uh, how are you? Well, I'm not so good, mate. Um, I've got to tell you, I'm, I've got a slip disc in my back, um, which is very painful, and it means that my leg's not working properly, um, and I'm flat on my back, and I have been for the last three weeks or so. Three weeks. Oh, man. Sounds bad. Slip, a slip disc. So it's just a, a really bad back. Yeah, basically, the discs are the little squeezy things that go uh, between the, the bones in your spine, and one of them has the doctor said has been sequestrated, um, which means that um, a little bit of it is sticking out and it's um, touching my sciatic nerve. And your sciatic nerve goes right the way down to your toes. Uh, and so my left leg isn't working very well, I'm afraid. But there we go. It means I've got time to speak to you, which is lovely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you've just been sit- you've been lying down on your back on the sofa for about three weeks. Pretty much, yeah. Um, you know, interspersed with trying to cook which uh-huh. is quite interesting um, because what I have to do is when I make a meal, because my wife and children went on holiday for a week uh, amongst all this, so I had to look after myself. So I had to I had to cook for five or ten minutes at a time and then lie on the floor in the kitchen um, and then stand up for another five or ten minutes and then lie down on the floor again. It's, it's been a bit of a pain, but, um, you know, I get by. I'm sorry to hear about that, mate. That sounds bad. Yeah. Um, I, I, we might come back to the question of the the back in, in a bit, but um, I believe this is the first time you've been on my podcast. I it's think true. it is, yeah. It is, isn't it? So welcome. Uh, and uh, so let me just ask you a few questions about you, just so that my listeners sort of know who you are and stuff like that. How how do we know each other? How do we know each other, Luke? Um, uh, it all started back at the London School of English, I believe around about 2006. Yeah. I think... You- yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd been working there for about a year and you you turned up all young and shiny and handsome and <laughs> and, and uh, the rest is history. And then and then, of course, we we have a, a mutual a sort of common interest in, in music and um, we started playing in a band together, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, we did. For... Um, and uh, so, yeah, I was on drums. You were you were singing and playing yeah. the, and playing the flute. That's right. And I even had a, a quick sort of maverick turn at playing bass once, if you remember. Oh, yeah, vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. When our, our bass player was otherwise involved in, in other things and you, you jumped on the bass. I did jump on the bass, yeah. And that's pretty much what it sounded like as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, good times. Yeah, good times. Uh, you still... Yeah, go on. No, band practice. I was going to say, do your listeners know about band practice? Have you spoken about this before? 
Well, I've I've mentioned that band on the podcast before, but that was years ago. That was like uh, you know when I was still in the band, and every now and then I'd mention the fact that I was playing in the band, and I think I even played. I might have played a bit of a recording of Wipeout on uh, one of the episodes. Ah, uh, well, yeah, one of your finest moments, Luke. If you don't mind me saying. Yeah, that was that was like my sort of my star moment in in any concert, wasn't it? Any gig I, that it would be usually at the end, and I'd we'd play this fast rock and roll song with lots of drum solos in it. Yeah, absolutely. Your your stellar moment. Let's hear from the drummer. It was sort of that really. And I would it? go like that for for about three minutes. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, are you still playing music? Well, obviously not now because you're lying on your back, but uh, are you still doing music? No, in fact, it's something I need to do. I've, I'm afraid the, the sort of the last four years of my life have been wiped out by um, having twins. And, um, you know, uh, sort of between I'm a primary school teacher. So between uh, my job as a primary school teacher and uh, coming home to, to uh, two lovely little girls, it's been very difficult to have time to do things like music, yeah. but it's, it is something that I will be sort of coming back to. Hopefully, um, yeah. might, you know, I might be looking for people to play with quite soon because I, I, I miss it. I miss it. Yeah. Well, you've got to, you got to get involved and, uh, get the, get the girls involved as well. Did, are yeah, they musical? They are. They're really keen on music. Actually. Um, Nelly, um, it has a ukulele and, um, Margot, they both like singing. Mm. And uh, they like it when Daddy gets out his bitar, as they call it. <laughs> Not a guitar. Um, no, they still call it a bitar. So they haven't quite got got to grips with the g and b sounds. No, no, no. And I'm I'm sure some of your your students might relate to that. But, Possibly, um, yeah. But, but there we go. Yeah. Uh, so I'm trying to get into it, and I'm trying to you know get get my children as uh, as enthusiastic about music as I can. Absolutely. Talking of music. Like part of the reason that I got you, that I contacted you today and got you on the podcast in this episode is because I was just on Facebook and uh, you put up some pictures. It's like you'd you'd obviously found these old photos and you decided <laughs> to share them on Facebook. And these are photos of you in Germany, like sometime around like two thousand and four, two thousand and five, or something. Two thousand and seven, it was. Two thousand and seven. Yeah. Right. So it's you in in Germany in two thousand and seven wearing a kilt. Which obviously, just for anyone who doesn't know, a kilt is one of those like. Well, I'll, I'll let you describe what a kilt is. Okay, kilts. Kilts uh, are a sort of traditional Scottish um, dress for men. Um, it's basically uh, most people would refer to it as a skirt um, because it, it is a piece of material that you wrap around your midriff. Um, and that's uh, sort of attached with um, with buckles, and then you have a thing in front of it called a sporran, which is basically a pocket for carrying things around. Right. Um, and uh, they're traditional in Scotland. My family is Scottish, which is why I have a kilt. Uh, my surname is Cameron, which has nothing to do with the Prime Minister, I have to say at this da- point. David Cameron. David Cameron, yeah. I, I have nothing to do with him. He is not Scottish. Um, I don't know how he got his surname. Mm. Um, he stole. He, he maybe yeah. stole it from the poor. <laughs> he probably did. <laughs> but I've got nothing to do with him. Um, um, all right. So, are you Scottish, Carrick? I I feel that I am um, because of my family background. I was born and brought up in England, um, but because my both my parents are fiercely uh, Scottish, I was brought up. I think in an environment that that means I have uh, Scottish traits. 
I would say. Do you have a Scottish accent? I don't, um, although I can put one on. Okay, go ahead. Let's have a bit of Scottish accent. Okay, I'll talk to you in the next couple of minutes in a Scottish accent. No problem. I'll talk to you as if we're from Glasgow, okay? Where are you from? In this accent? My parents are from Glasgow. I was born and brought up in Reigate in Surrey. Um, But my parents are from Glasgow. So this accent that you're doing now is a sort of a Glaswegian accent, is it? It's a pretty good, I don't know, I mean, Glasgow, it's a kind of generic Scottish accent, I suppose. Okay, it's very nice. Thank you very much. So when you normally speak, obviously you're doing the Scottish accent right now. When you normally speak, you don't speak with a with a, with a Scottish accent? No, no, I speak with a, an accent from a pretty much a, a generic accent from the south of England, I'd say. A sort of uh, pretty bland uh, BBC kind of accent. The sort of uh, received pronunciation. Exactly, exactly. Received pronunciation, which is very boring. Um, you know, and, and I don't think it's as accessible to students as a Scottish accent is because the vowels are not as pure. The, uh, the vowels in, in, in received pronunciation, you think, are not as pure as, as in a Scottish accent? No, because I think Scottish, uh, the, the way people speak in Scotland is much more, the vowels are much more pronounced a, e, e, o, u which I think is easier, particularly for, uh, particularly for people who speak uh, Latin uh, romance languages like Spanish, French. I think that the vowel sounds are, are much easier to, to understand than, than receive pronunciation. But haven't you ever heard students say to you, oh, the one accent I can't, I mean, I'm talking about learners of English. Haven't you ever heard those students say to you, oh, the one accent I just can't understand is Scottish. People say that to me. I don't know if it's just because I'm English. I don't know why they're saying that. I think there are some very hardcore accents in Scotland. I mean, I think if you if you went into the depths of Glasgow, it'd be very very difficult to pick up the accent because they speak. Um, it's 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 really hard. I don't know if you've you've heard of a a comedy show called Rab C Nesbit. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, extremely popular in Scotland, but nobody understood a word of it in England, and so it never really took off. Um, and I think part of the problem is that the the accent. The, the accents that people use in that programme are, are very difficult. And I think as well, Scottish people have their own vocabulary. Um, but there are words that are very particular to Scotland that people don't learn in your typical English lesson uh, in, in London or, or in Paris or wherever you happen to be. Can we just go back to that word learn you just said? How do you say it? Le- go on. Learn. 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 <laughs> learn. That's pretty good, eh? That's that's not bad, eh? I can't, I'm not I'm not so good as uh, not as good as you are, obviously. So it's difficult when when people are trying to learn. Well, the the accent that people learn is different to to the accent that uh, that people have in Scotland, I suppose. Right? I'd say so. Okay. All right. Um, oh, okay. That's interesting. It's interesting. You say that. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, like. In Scotland, obviously, there's a very diverse range of accents. I'm talking to people who might think that Scottish, like all Scottish accents, are difficult to understand. I don't think it's necessarily true. It depends on what you're familiar with, really, isn't it? It's the same with any language, isn't it? I mean, there are different. You're in France right now. There are very different accents in France. The accent in Paris is completely different to the accent, for example, in Marseille or in in Nice or in Brittany. Um, the accents are very different. It's the same in every country. In Scotland, there's no different in that respect. Okay. The accent in Glasgow is very different, very different to the accent in Edinburgh, which is just, you know, uh, just down the M8, uh, just down the, the motorway there. It's only 40, 50 miles away. But the accent is completely different. Hmm. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. It's amazing to me that in the UK, and I suppose everywhere else, there's such a diverse number of different accents. You know, we just have, all you need to do is travel like half an hour between towns, sometimes even between streets. You just walk to, you know, another street and they sat, they speak differently. It's incredible to me. Well, a lot of it's based on on uh, on social class as well, of course, isn't it? Particularly in in London, in in that area, you know, if you go to a different area that's perhaps a, a bit more working class, then the accent will be completely different. And I think that's something that's unique to the UK because I don't think that uh, sort of class division in accents exists in other countries. Mm. I think it's peculiar to to the UK. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally, yeah. Uh, it's a fascinating subject. By the way, I wonder if my listeners have identified where your accent is now. You're still in Scotland, accent-wise, here, aren't you? Yes. Should we go? Yes, let's go. Let's go back to the normal accent. Okay, fine. There you go. Okay, fine. He's 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 now a BBC presenter again. Back to receive pronunciation. Can you say back to receive pronunciation in your Scottish accent? Back to receive pronunciation. And then the RP. Back to receive pronunciation. What's the difference? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it linguistically to you, but I suppose back, it's just a... back to receive pronunciation, something like that. Back, mm. not I say back, and you and yes. in Scotland you'd say back, back. In that's me, back. And then in Scotland, back to pronunciation. Okay, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to put your finger on it. It's difficult. I think it's the it's the, it's the vowel sounds that change. And also, when you say print, the R sounds, you have a rhotic R. Exactly. Pr- pr- say, say pronunciation. Pronunciation. It might not be here, uh, be clear over Skype, but he, there's a sort of a, a rhotic R in the pronunciation. Pr- go on. Pronunciation. Okay. It's not that clear on Skype, but it's happening. Yeah. The other, the other thing is that at the end of words, for example, if I say father to you, uh, the R sound that ro- that rotic or rotic r appears at the end of, of the word father whereas usually uh you would end in a schwa sound so in received pronunciation it'd be father right and there's an r but scottish uh and and in many other um pronunciations of, of the english language the r is, is a rotic erotic r at the end an erotic r <laughs> it sounds like that doesn't it <laughs> Thought you said an an erotic R, which sounds sounds nice, uh, but no, you're saying a, a erotic R or rotic R, which is like that rounded R sound. Uh, okay, all right, pretty cool. Now, yes, yeah, so I, I was talking about those photos that you shared on Facebook, and um, so these were photos, uh, listeners, of Carrick uh, in Germany wearing a kilt, wearing this traditional Scottish uh, skirt. I, I I don't know what you were wearing under the kilt. I think I think I was playing safe. I think I was probably wearing underwear on okay. that occasion. Okay, good, good. Because, um, you know, there's always that question of what do Scottish men wear under their kilts? There is always that question. What yes. what do Scottish men wear under their kilts, generally? Well, there's this notion that traditionally people don't wear anything. But I think I think that's very difficult because you tend to wear kilts in, in fairly formal situations. <laughs> uh, kind of weddings, funerals. You don't want any mishaps. And... Uh, so I think it's probably pertinent to, to wear underwear. Um, I was I was asked to go to Germany by a man I taught English to. Actually, he was a I'm, I, I used to be an English teacher like like Luke. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's me. And uh, it, yeah, that's right. 
So I used to teach English in the same uh, language school. And I met there a man called Thomas Gluck, who was um, taking uh, language lessons with us. And he invited me um, because he, he was fascinated with uh, my connection to Scotland and my Scottish heritage. And he said um, that he wanted me to go to Germany um, to uh, give a talk to his employees he worked for Deutsche Bahn, which is the German national railway company. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was a very senior um, member of uh, staff at Deutsche Bahn. He wanted me to come and give a talk to uh, about 15, 20 people um, about Scotland um, and specifically about Scotch whiskey. And uh, so he said, right, choose your, your favorite, choose your favorite three whiskies from each of, of different uh, three different regions in Scotland uh tell me what they are and i'll buy them and uh when you come to frankfurt to give your talk you can give us tasting notes and we can sample each of the nine scotch whiskies that you select um and uh so that's what we did and the whole the, the thing that made it uh quite a fantastic experience was the whole thing was interspersed with deutsche bahn company um business so they were discussing uh business uh objectives and targets and and finance in between uh tasting these uh these whiskies so by the end, <laughs> the end they were talking about quite serious company business but everyone was absolutely hammered because <laughs> we had a sample of each of these nine whiskies and um and he was the other thing is he stood up and in between each session and played a song on his guitar um in english and um, people had song sheets um, so that they could sing along. It was quite a, a remarkable thing. I've never been through anything like it. Oh my god, it's like a dream come true, though, right? Like that it was absolutely. I mean, there's not you can't you can't beat that really, especially for a, a, a very keen whiskey drinker like myself. <laughs> and for for them to buy in, I mean, these were nine very expensive whiskies. Uh, they weren't the sort of things that you would go to the supermarket and, and buy on a Friday evening to, you know, th- these were like proper, really good quality, single malt Scotch whiskies. Do you remember which ones they were by any chance? Yeah, I, I have a list somewhere, but I'd need to minimize the screen to get them. That's the problem. Oh, well, never uh, mind. But top yeah. three great Scottish whiskey. Could you just give us three good single malt whiskey recommendations? Definitely. In, in case any of my listeners are interested in Scottish single malt whiskey, which they should be because it's, amazing three. absolutely yeah i would give you my top three recommendations and and scotch whiskey much like we were talking about accents before as well weren't we yeah we're talking about regional accents scotch whiskey is the same it's not just a generic thing that you have a scotch whiskey there are huge variations in uh, in in flavors and in types of whiskey um and so some whiskey suit some people and other whiskeys suit others I like, but my favourite ever whisky is from the island of Isla, um, in the west of Scotland. Mm-hmm. And you, sorry, how do you spell that? How do you spell Isla? Yeah, I S L A Y. Okay, I S L A Y. My favourite whisky from from there is called Lagavulin, which is spelled L A G A. Yeah. V U L. Yeah. I N. Lagavulin. Lagavulin. And that is a very, um, it's absolutely delicious, but it's quite a smoky um, flavour. It, um, it's quite peaty. Peat is a type of soil 
um, that the water filters through, which gives it a very distinctive flavour. It tastes heat. Sorry, it tastes like the ground, like the earth of of the region where it's made. I imagine it retains exactly. some of the minerals or something from the earth. Yeah, well, peat is a very organic type of soil. It's but it's peat comes from um, organic matter, basically leaves and and vegetation that's broken down, and it gives the whiskey a very distinctive flavour. But it's absolutely delicious. Um, mm. Lagavulin, love it, and the smell of it um, reminds me of where my father lives it reminds me of my dad really because he's a a, a big lagavulin uh, enthusiast yeah what, what does the smell like what does it smell like then it smells very smoky um it's difficult to describe i mean obviously it's got a very strong smell of, of alcohol um but it's it smells no it smells very very smoky very peaty hmm i'd, I'd love to try some so that's that's lagavulin that's the first one. Second one it's my number one yeah that's your number one yeah. Number two? Uh, my number two, I would say, is, uh, is one called Macallan, which is spelled M-A-C-A-L-L-A-N. Yeah. Um, that's from the Highlands of Scotland. Um, and it has a very, very smooth, creamy texture to it. It's, it's, it's like drinking very alcoholic milk. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. It's very, very, it's it's very creamy. Um, it's it's very different to Lagavulin. Um, the flavour is much less strong. Um, it's much more subtle. Um, but um, if you can get your hands, when I went to Germany, I asked them to get um, a fifteen, uh, no, a twenty-five-year-old Macallan, which would cost um, uh, ninety pounds, um, <laughs> and they bought that in. Really? Yes. Um, because he said, which is your favorite whiskies ever? And I said, well, the Macallan 25 year old. So he bought in a bottle, um, which was delicious. So that's my number two. Okay. That's the Macallan from the Highlands. Yes, I'd say so. The 25 year old one is the best. 25 year old, if you can get your hands on it, but, but any Macallan is, is very nice. Yeah. And, uh, third, third choice. Personally, I would go back to Isla. Um, f- for a whiskey called Cool Ila, which is spelt C A O L, C A O L, yeah, yes, and then new word I L A, I L A, Cool Cool Ila. So, all right, C A O L. Now the, that spelling and the first one Lagavulin. Uh, these yeah. these words may sound a little foreign to uh, my my listeners who are learning English. Yeah, because they're not English words. These are these come from Gaelic. They come from um, Scottish, the the original uh, native Scottish language, and so they're not English words, which is why they're they're pronounced differently, and why it may be difficult for your listeners to um, pronounce them. Is 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 Gaelic um, the, the Scots language? Is it still being used in Scotland? It's used in in remote parts of the Highlands and in in some of the island communities. Scotland has many many islands, particularly to the west and the north. And uh, the the native languages are still used there, but it is unfortunately dying out. I would say. Hmm. What about Scots English? Well, I mean, that's more of a dialect. Um, you, you're dealing with words that are exclusive to to the Scottish language that don't tend to come into to um, normal English. Okay. Um, but that's that's still very much alive, but in, in all areas of Scotland. Hmm. Mm, okay, so 
Call Isla was number three. Yes. Uh, what's that like? Yeah, well, in the in the same way, Lagavulin is very peaty and very smoky. I'd say Cool Isla has um has a a, a, a more subtle flavour to it. Um, it's just it's just very, it's it's a bit more delicate, I would say, than Lagavulin. So, um, the flavour is not as intense, okay. but it's still that peaty, smoky um feeling to it. Okay, okay, all right, brilliant. I'd love to drink some. I, I imagine that many of my listeners, um, it's difficult to get access to single malt, like really good single malt whiskey, right? I mean, it's, you can't just get it anywhere. Um, what do you think of some of the whiskies that we typically find in the shops, you know, the standard well-known brands? And, I, and this might sound like sacrilege to you if I talk about uh, brands of whiskey like Bells or Teachers or Famous Grouse, the stuff that certainly if you live in England, you see in the supermarkets and, and stuff like that. What do you think of that kind of, I guess you call it blended Scotch whiskey? Yeah, that's what they are. They're, they're blends of different um, whiskies that are found all over Scotland. And, and some of them, it depends on your taste. Um, famous grouse is a very good example of a, of a, I'd say a high quality blend. I think famous grouse is, I, I enjoy, uh, a famous grouse myself. And, uh, you know, I can't, you can't afford to even, you know, you can't afford to go around drinking single malt all the time because it's very expensive. Yeah. If you go, a bottle of Lagavulin is 48 pounds 50 at the moment, um, for a 70 centiliter bottle. If you buy a bottle of, um, famous grouse, it's 13 and so the, the the difference is huge, um, and there are some very good blends. Um, Teachers is a, I think, delicious blend um, of whiskey because it has quite a lot of those um, peaty Isla malts um, in in the blend. Teachers, um, it's quite appropriate, really, isn't it, Carrick? It, well, it is if you're a teacher. Um, but the the Scotch whiskies that are typically exported um, yeah. tend to be famous grouse, Ballantines was very popular. I used to live in Spain and Ballantines was very popular and J and B. Um, and there was one single malt that came up all every time was Cardu, which is spelt C A R D H U. Okay. And that is, that's a very popular export single malt whiskey. Okay. All right. Um, what do you think about the American whiskies? Because, you know, obviously Jack Daniels and uh, what maybe... Is it is Shivas Regal American? No, it's Scottish. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a very good blend, Shivas Regal. Yeah? Yeah. And okay. again, very popular in, in, in other countries. And uh, obviously everyone knows Jack Daniels and things like Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and stuff like that. The American ones. Yeah, that's not my bag, mate. You're you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> really? What's wrong with uh, what's wrong with Jack Daniels? I don't like the taste of it. It's for me. It's not whiskey. It's a different. It's a different type of drink, um, and it's not. It's not my cup of tea. I don't particularly like Irish whiskey either. Um, I, yeah, I think I think it's what you're used to, though, because Irish people tend to say that they prefer Irish whiskey and they don't. They they think Scotch whiskey is inferior. So I think it depends what you're used to, really. And I think there's a certain amount of national pride in uh in what you drink there are, there are very good whiskies from other countries of course japan is famous for its whiskey beautiful beautiful whiskey comes from japan absolutely delicious award-winning whiskies mm. um in fact uh what's been voted the number one whiskey in the world is japanese wow i can't i can't remember the brand name of it at the moment it begins with a y okay. but i can't remember 
but um, it's it's been voted the best uh, whiskey in the world. Wow, nice. Do you know what what it tastes like? Do you know if it's similar to Scots whiskey? Yes, I've had a I've had a bottle of it actually uh, a few years ago. I bet you have. <laughs> I do remember it was very crisp, um, a, a very a very nice clean flavour to it, um, quite quite delicate. But um, I would say it's most similar to a to a Highland, to a delicate Highland whiskey. Mm. Um, beautiful flavour. All right. Um, it's nice to talk about whiskey because you know I've I've tasted a few single malts in my time and and it is really good. How is it best? What's the best way to drink it? Should you put water or ice in it? Um, again, it's a it's that's a I would say it's definitely not ice in a single malt. I think that the there is a there's a division of thought. Some people think that it's sacrilege to put water in it. Other people think that a, a couple of drops of uh, of water helps to awaken the flavour of the whiskey. Um, my father uh, is, for example, he always always says, "I'll have a wee drop. I'll have a wee drop of water to awaken the flavour." <laughs> Maybe it sort of oxygenates the flavour. I don't know what how it awakens the flavour, but uh, okay, all right, that sounds good. So going back to this situation in Germany, all right. So you met this German student. He worked for the what was it the the rail network. Yeah. Deutsche Bahn. Deutsche Bahn. Mm-hmm. He worked for Deutsche Bahn. He was like, right, I'm fascinated by your uh, your knowledge and love of whiskey. So why did he think it was a good idea to bring you and loads of whiskey into a business meeting? Like, what was what was he doing? He he said that um, what they do in their business meeting is 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 have an alternative focus. So to talk about something a bit different. Um, I, I think the idea is to to improve people's cultural awareness or i don't know it's a nice touch i think to to focus on something different but it was a very strange setup so i was introduced and then i spoke a little bit about scotland and scotch whiskey in general and introduced i think i started with like highland malts or something and then he said right okay thanks very much now it's time for a song and he got his guitar out and um people had their song sheets underneath their chairs and started uh, singing along, Take Me Home Country Road. Uh, it, really, really weird. And, uh, and then he said, right, item number one on the, uh, on the business agenda is, I don't know, whatever it was they were talking about. He then started speaking in German. And you were, and standing, so- you were standing there going, oh, I'll just stand here then in a kilt. No, I was I, I was invited to sit down at this point because I yeah I wasn't involved. Um, I don't speak German, but that was fine. I was quite interested to in in the format of the meeting and and to see what I could understand. I think that's always important, isn't it? When mm. you know English is English does have a connection to German, and uh, so it was quite interesting to see if I could follow what was going on. And then uh, yeah, it was my turn again, and then we had round two of the whiskies mm. and another song. Um, and then another business, and it went on like this uh, for about two hours until everyone was was absolutely hammered. <laughs> really? What time was this? Was it during the day? No, it started at eight o'clock in the evening, and finished uh, the meeting finished about eleven, and uh, I ended up going to bed um, about half past four or five o'clock in the morning. Yeah, because people stayed behind, and we start. We had a bit of a jam with a guitar and the flute. Um, uh, that was. I mean, I'd, I'd hate to hear what that would have sounded like now. It it must have been shocking. Um, but we yeah, we just we just stayed up and uh, yeah, and, and and had a bit of a party um, afterwards. 
Yeah. And are you still in touch with them? Yeah, well, this is how I came these photographs, um, because this was back in 2007. And I was on um, the website LinkedIn the other day. Um, and uh, one of the contact suggestions that LinkedIn came up with was this man, Thomas Gluck. And so I thought, oh, yeah, Thomas, I wonder how he is. And uh, I invited him to to link in. And uh, he came and said, I've got these photographs. You've got to see them. Okay. All right. Um, how did it feel to see the photos? Oh, it was great because it was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a really, it was a really weird experience to be paid to go out and do that. Um, and it was, uh, it was, it was lovely. I met some really nice people and I had a great time. And so it was nice to be reminded of it after all this time. Did you have a hangover the next day? Shocking. Yeah. Terrible. Um, I, I, we were staying in the Deutsche Bahn have this, uh, place where you can stay on the outskirts of frankfurt and uh yeah it was terrible the next day it was really bright and sunny as well so i went outside and you know that thing where you got a hangover and it's really bright oh, oh dear oh terrible no and then i flew back to london and that was that was that okay and then i went back to work again and you've been telling the story ever since because i remember you telling me telling me this story um you know when i knew you in at school in london and i always thought it just sounded like one of those experiences like i it's the sort of experience that you have as an english teacher because sometimes you just get dragged into these sorts of uh situations often in a foreign country surrounded by you know people from a different culture probably speaking a different language and you've been brought in because you speak english or because you're interesting in some way because you're different and um so you end you just find yourself in these random weird situations i had a similar one in, in japan where i'd uh, a long story, but I, I'd, I'd been in hospital with uh, glandular fever and I got it really badly out there. Like, you know, I got a really bad case of it. And I ended up, I wound up in hospital, long, long story short, in hospital for a couple of weeks to recover. And my doctor was also my student by coincidence. <laughs> it's a very long story, but I ended up like... Um, I, I ended up in the doc, this doctor's surgery. It's like the second or third doctor that I'd seen because the first one yeah. refused to see me. <laughs> Why? For reasons unknown. But I, I think that um, I think it's because I was first of all because I was a. F I don't know, Carrick. I don't want to say it's just because I was a foreigner. I don't want to assume that, but that's what it felt like. I didn't. I never got a good reason why he didn't want to see me, and I was like really sick, and he was like no. You know, mm. and the the like, my girlfriend at the time and her mum were sort of trying to convince him to see. And I don't know. I think it's because I didn't have the right medical insurance, or I don't know. He wasn't convinced. The second one um, wasn't. It wasn't right either. He didn't prescribe me enough. Uh, 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 what do you call them? You know, antibiotics. Yeah. So I had to go and see a third. We had a third attempt. You know, dragged me out to a third doctor, and this guy happened to be one of my students. Uh, okay. Now. You'd you'd hope that the student would be one of the advanced ones, right? <laughs> you'd, no, think, you'd, you'd hope that he was one of the advanced students, but he wasn't. He was like in a you know really low level class. So on oh, one hand, big. I was like, oh great, I know this guy already. And then I was like, oh god, but his English is shocking. <laughs> <laughs> My fault, you know, because I hadn't obviously improved it for him uh, that much. But anyway, he was a lovely guy and he helped me out and he sort of sorted me out with the medication I needed and he sent me off to hospital. He actually, oh dear, he, I, I, I was really sick and I didn't know why, okay? Yeah. I still didn't know why. And um, he, he gave me a blood test 
And he gave me the results of the blood test in, in, in broken English. And okay. what he said to me was, okay, so you, you have liver damage. <gasps> you need to go to a hospital and you will need an operation. Oh, my God. That's the message I received from, from the doctor. And I, I was devastated. You know, I was complete. I, I, or I was already a complete mess because I'd spent two weeks on my own in my flat, you know, feeling like I was going to die. And I was completely devastated by this news. And I thought, oh, my God. You know, I, I, I interpreted this as meaning uh, liver damage. Like my liver's, there's something wrong with my liver. You know, that's what yeah. I thought. Uh, I need to go to a hospital. Bloody hell, it's really serious. I've got to go to a hospital. Third thing, you will need an operation. I was thinking, oh, my God, I need a liver transplant. Right. Well, you were having at the time, Luke. Sorry? Were you a heavy drinker at the time? Not that much. But, you know, I was a 25, 26-year-old English guy. So, yeah, probably by other people's standards, I probably did drink too much. But it wasn't just that. It was the heat of the summer. It was too hot for me. I wasn't looking after myself. I wasn't eating enough fresh fruit and vegetables yeah. and stuff like that and not enough water. Anyway, long story short, I did wind up with the, with the glandular fever and it was really bad. Um and so, yeah, I thought, oh, my God, they're going to give me a liver transplant. They're going to give me a Japanese liver. <laughs> <In> my... <laughs> and would that have been, I mean, a Japanese liver, that might, it might, have, been, might have benefited you, Luke, actually. I'm sure the Japanese would have been healthier. Yeah, I guess so. I guess the Japanese uh, tend to be healthy people. They've probably got very good quality, you know, organs, you know, with the healthy food and stuff they eat. But, I, you know, in my condition, at my young, younger age, I was worried. I thought, I thought, is it possible for me to have... Will, it, will I be able to have a Japanese liver? Can you put a Japanese liver into an English body and, and for it to work? You know, what would be the result of having a Japanese liver? Is it going to... Why would it not work? I don't know. I thought... I, don't, <laughs> I have no idea. I don't know, because I don't know if the physiology is different or not. I don't know. And also I thought, you know, would it affect my ability to drink? <laughs> because, you know, like I've met many Japanese people. I've been out drinking with Japanese people. And truth be told, they, they can't hold their alcohol as well as, let's say, a Scottish man. Let's, That's very true. Let's be honest. Bang would go your experience of drinking lots of single malt whiskeys then. Exactly. I'd go red in the face and I'd fall asleep. Because uh, I remember that. Yeah, I do that on a regular in a, on regular occasions, Luke. <laughs> I'm sure you do. But um, I, uh, I, I, like, I, I invite my Japanese listeners to leave comments uh, on, for this episode because I'm I have experienced firsthand many times. I've seen uh, Japanese people, not all of them, but some Japanese people will drink some alcohol and they go red. It's kind of like I, they go red and then they fall asleep quite quickly. Um, uh but also, but in London, when I was working at London School of English, I went out on many a drinking session with, with uh, Japanese students. And yeah. I found the opposite, Luke. I found that they could hold their own. Yeah. There's one, one student I remember was called Eiji. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you taught, ever taught Eiji. Um, he, played, he played football with us quite a lot. Yeah, maybe, yeah. I'm still friends with him on Facebook, but Eiji could tuck it away. Really? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, to be fair, like I've 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 been on many a drinking session with Japanese people and they they're tough, you know, they can drink a lot. But there's just like for every 10 Japanese people who can drink a lot, there's always one who who mm. goes all red and falls asleep. <laughs> so I was thinking maybe I'm going to get that liver. I'm going to get that guy's liver, the 1%, you know, the 10% guy. 
uh, the one in ten guy who can't drink, maybe they're going to give me his liver. That's what I was but thinking. In the end, liver problem at all. So in the end, it was just a lost in translation situation, right? Yeah. And and what he meant was, um, so what was it? Uh, you got liver damage. It was just you get liver damage when you have glandular fever. It's just a normal symptom. And it doesn't mean that my liver is badly damaged. It just means it's damaged enough for it to, you know, be be fairly serious. But it wasn't that bad. Just with rest and a good diet and it'll be fine. So he was talking about white blood cell levels, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I had like abnormally high white blood cells and that was bad for the liver. Second thing, uh, you will need to go to hospital. He meant you need to go to hospital to rest because you can't get rest at home. It's not good. So let's go. Let's take you to hospital where you can get some proper rest. And the third thing uh, was, what was it? You need an operation. He meant I would need my tonsils to be removed in the future at some point. <laughs> and have you had your tonsils removed now? No, I haven't because it never. I, I never got a, a throat infection as badly as that again so it was it never really became necessary but for my listeners tonsils are glands which you get at the back of which everyone has at the back of their throat i guess they perform a function i'm not exactly sure what function they perform but anyway I, I think they're quite redundant actually which is why it's not a problem if you have to have them removed it's a bit like your appendix in in, in the sense that you don't need it yeah but they're there yeah, and, and it's quite typical, certainly when you're sort of, you know, at, in your late teens or when you're in your 20s, a lot of people suffer from tonsillitis. It affects lots of people. And it's like a, a throat infection. The tonsils swell up and they get infected and it's very painful and difficult to swallow and, and, and stuff like that. So what he meant was that I would need to have them removed if it was a persistent problem. So right, okay. the sophistication <laughs> of the message didn't get through. and It, it and, wasn't quite the question, yeah. Yeah. So obviously what I should have been doing in the lessons preceding me getting sick with this guy, I should have taught him all the medical vocabulary he needed to explain my problem. But obviously I had no idea that it was going to happen. Um, so instead he knew exactly how to talk about his hobbies. Okay. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so I, I don't know how we ended up talking about this. Oh, yeah. Uh, strange situations you get into as an English teacher. Yeah, that's right. So that's an ex oh, oh yeah. So that was the pretext to to the story, which is that uh, I came out of hospital and he'd recommended all this stuff like don't drink alcohol, look after yourself, you know, blah blah blah. About a week later, and this was like December. A week later, he sends me an invitation to his place for New Year. All right. Which is great, like really lovely. And he was like, come over to my place for New Year's Day. All my friends will be there and my family and we're going to have a big New Year's celebration. And I, obviously I was flattered because that's a great invitation, like a genuine Japanese New Year celebration with all the friends and family. So I went, turned up at about 10 a.m. and he walked me from the station and he was like, oh, yeah, you know, we've got beer, we've got sake. And I said, I thought you told me not to drink. <laughs> and he was like, no, it's no, it's New Year. It's fine. There you go. There's always an exception, isn't there? <laughs> so there's me with my damaged liver going, well, he's a doctor. He knows what he's talking about. Um, and so I arrived and from about 11 o'clock, I had a, 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 a Kirin beer shoved into my hand. Yeah. And we proceeded drinking, with all, surrounded by all of his Japanese friends and kids running around. And it was absolutely brilliant. 
But it did get pretty surreal after a few beers and a few glasses of uh, sake. And, uh, you know, they were making like this rice cake called mochi. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. The way that they make the cake is that you bash the rice with a hammer, okay, like a big wooden mallet. <laughs> so they everyone had to take everyone took a turn to bash the rice with the mallet, and so you know I they, and then they were like, oh, Luka 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 Sensei has to bash the rice with the hammer. So I came round and I was like half drunk bashing his <laughs> rice, and all the kids found it hilarious that there I was this this foreign guy. You know, the one drunken foreign guy trying to bash the... So there I am, you know, on New Year's Day, on the other side of the world, with a recovering liver, uh, yes. half drunk, with this big wooden mallet in my hands, uh, smashing some rice, a, a, a big rice cake, with loads of kids laughing at me. And I just, to be honest, Carrick, at that moment, I thought, what has happened to my life? <laughs> That's what the, the, those experiences are the ones that you you know you always remember. They're they're uh, they're really good. They're really good moments, and uh, they're ones that you kind of take with you and treasure, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. I had a really good time that day, and if I doubt that my doctor is listening to this, but if he is, then I'd just like to say thanks for the invitation. I had a really good time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, so, are you okay? Are you comfortable? Carrick? Yeah, right. I've uh, decided to sit up because I was fed up lying on my back. I can sit up for about half an hour without my leg getting too sore. So, um, yeah, and sitting up's easier when I'm talking uh, to you as well. It was a bit weird lying down. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, so, with a slipped disc, where is it? Like lower back? Yeah, so the bottom of my back. Okay. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, it's sticking out there and, um, yes, yeah, it's very painful. It's it's not a nice thing uh, to have. Apparently, it's common in men in their forties. So uh, you know you, you need to watch out, Luke, as you're approaching that stage I yourself. Am. I am. How did you get the slip disc? Do you know? Well, it, I I got. I think there are there are two things that are possible. Um, I, I think I mentioned before that I, I've got uh, four year old twin daughters, and for their Christmas, my dad very kindly bought them a bike each, and. Uh, we were out on on Boxing Day or the or the twenty sixth of December. We were out teaching them or starting to teach them how to ride their bikes. And when you're doing that, you you get down into you know I'm six foot tall. You get you get down into quite a difficult position, um, and you're sort of running in this sort of awkward uh, crouching style, um, which it not only looks strange but um, obviously has quite a bad effect on your back. And then suddenly I, I found that I was having difficulty sitting down, um, without, um, without my leg hurting, which I found quite odd. Yeah. Um, so it, it's kind of stayed there for a while and I ended up going to a chiropractor and a chiropractor is a, is a, a type of doctor who works on your spine to try and put things right. And, um, we were getting there, you know, it, was, it wasn't too bad. And I was, I was still able to, to work, um, at, at my school. And then one weekend I, I took my children to the supermarket. Um, now in England, carrier bags, which are plastic bags were banned, um, about a year ago, I think. Um, and because of that, whenever you go shopping, unless you want to pay for a carrier bag, you have to pay 5p. Unless you want to pay for carrier bags, you take things called bags for life, which are, are reusable, uh, sturdy bags. But they, they tend to be quite big. And they, uh, it was quite a big shop that weekend. And um, I think we were probably stocking up on quite a lot of things, in, including bottles of wine and Whiskey. beer and 
<clears throat> yeah. And um, so the result is that the bags were quite heavy. I think my back was already damaged. And uh, I think I caused it more damage by lifting those bags into my car. Carrick, did you bend from your knees or did you bend from your back? I couldn't honestly tell you, Luke. Um, you must have bent from your back. I, I, I don't know. Maybe in the rush of being in the supermarket and, and wanting to get my children out of there quickly and into the car, yeah. I may well have just bent oh, my back. Of course, because that's what you know. the specialists always say. They say you've got to bend from your knees. Don't bend from your back. But of course, when you're in the middle of a situation with kids and stuff, you know, you don't you don't think to yourself, you know, the, the kids are running around and making noise. And like, oh, I must bend from my knees because you're naturally just going to bend from from your back, I suppose. Um, so have they given you uh, medication? Yes, I'm taking a, a lot of, of different painkillers and uh, and drugs, which actually uh, deactivate my nerves. <laughs> so you're on a cocktail of drugs. Cocktail of drugs, indeed. Yes, um, including uh, cocodamol, which has got a lot of codeine in. Uh, a thing called pregabalin, which which stops my nerves sending signals to my brain, telling me that I'm in pain. Um, and morphine um, for when things get really bad. Oh wow. Well, you know, there's a, every cloud has a silver lining. Yes, I have to say that there is a nice floaty feeling whenever I uh, I have to take morphine. Um, it's sitting there in a bottle <clears throat> at the side there. Um, I try not to take it very much because it's it's not great. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I yeah, it's, it's it's quite a painful thing. So I've had to take quite a lot of, uh, of uh, painkillers. Okay. Well, you know, I'm I'm sorry to, to to see that you're, you know, uncomfortable and and that you're lying on your back most of the day. But it's really great to talk to you. Nice to catch up. Yeah, it's great to catch up with you, Luke. And and uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. It's really nice to to be on your on your podcast, and which is going great guns. I think you know I've I've, I've seen you, you're doing really well with it, which is fantastic. So hello to all your listeners and uh, carry on listening to Luke's English podcast. It's a wonderful thing. And, um, yeah, it's really nice to speak to you. All right. Well, great to speak to you too, Carrick. And uh, have, a nice, have a nice day watching the TV and taking drugs, basically. <laughs> Thank you. I will. And see if you can get yourself a nice uh, single malt whiskey soon. I will do my best. All right, mate. All right. Cheers, mate. All the best. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. So that was Carrick uh, lying on his back. Um, high on a cocktail of prescription drugs. Um, I really hope that his back gets better soon because it must be pretty miserable for him to be just lying there all the time. Um, I expect that uh, all of us at some point might, well, I expect some of us sometimes think, oh, I'd love to spend three to four weeks lying on my back all day watching TV high on a cocktail of powerful prescription drugs. Uh, Well, maybe not everyone, but you know what I mean. Uh, But when that lifestyle is actually forced on you as the result of an accident, it's not that much fun, is it? So I hope that Carrick gets well soon for his own sake, but also I hope he gets well soon for the sake of his wife and kids too, who might want to actually sit on that sofa and watch TV themselves at some point. Uh, And I also hope that Carrick gets back on his feet soon for the sake of the kids in his school who are probably missing Mr. Cameron in their classes. Um, So this is nearly the end of the episode. Um, I wonder how the sound quality was for you. I expect it was a bit difficult to hear every word, but you got used to it, didn't you? Um, Is that right? What's that? Oh, it was was difficult at the start, but you got used to it. Oh, okay, good. Um, I thought so. I thought that's what would happen. Sorry? 
oh, you couldn't understand everything. It was difficult and possibly a bit frustrating at times. Oh, well, sorry about that. Uh, but I think it's good practice for your brain, you know, because you, <laughs> I say for your brain, I mean, it's good practice for you and your and your listening abilities and all that. Because when you're listening to, you know, imperfect recordings like that, you know, your brain has to work a bit harder to try and guess the things that you don't really understand. So essentially, it's good training. Um, sorry, what was that you said? You'd expect the audio quality to be You'd expect the audio quality to be much higher in future episodes, please. Oh, all right. Well, sorry, but uh, this is a free podcast, remember? So, you know, you do get what you pay for. Uh, No, but seriously, um, I expect if you got to this point, then you, you managed to get through the whole thing and it wasn't that bad. And ultimately, yes, I do agree. You know, of course, it would be better if the quality was always perfect. But that's not always going to happen. Um, sometimes when I interview people on Skype, for example, the sound might be less than perfect. But as I said before, that's normal in the real world, isn't it? Because sometimes the sound quality will not be perfect when you're using English over the phone or on a conference call. And ultimately, it's good for you to get used to it. Um, just remember these things, if you would. Just remember these things. So, learning a language is a long-term project, and you will encounter various obstacles, but you mustn't give up. One of those obstacles might be, for example, that you can't understand every single word in in an episode of Luke's English Podcast, or in a conference call, or in fact in any other situation. So, even if you didn't understand all of that, don't give up. I realise that I'm preaching to the converted here, Um, and that you already agree with me and you already know this because, you know, if you're listening to this particular part of the podcast, it means that you've listened to the entire conversation and you didn't stop. So well done you. Uh, But really, I wonder if you'd like me um, now, I wonder if you'd like me to record a follow-up episode to this conversation in which I explain and clarify uh, some of the content, you know, Um, Uh, you know what I'm saying? Maybe you'd like me to record one of those episodes in which I go through the interview and explain and clarify some of the phrases and expressions and things you heard, like I did after the Craig Whelan interview recently. Um, If you would like me to do that, just let me know by leaving a comment or giving me an email at uh, luketeacher at hotmail.com. I value your feedback. So just to be clear, the question was, would you like me to do an episode in which I explain and clarify language that you heard in this interview? Let me know. Uh, Don't forget to use italki to find a native speaker for conversations or a teacher for lessons. That is, of course, unless you you've got a native speaker somewhere that you can talk to or or in, indeed if you can find some other way to you know maintain your english i'm sure that some of you out there listening to this are very inventive and creative and you know you're very resourceful and you can probably find all sorts of ways to improve your english there are many routes to the to the objective you know um uh, at the moment i'm recommending that you use italki i think it's really good it is uh, it really is a great way to push your English to higher and higher levels. Um, visit teacherloop.co.uk forward slash talk to get started. And remember that when you make a purchase, when you buy some some uh, lesson or speaking times, what what happened to my English there? When you buy some lessons or speaking time, um, 
Uh, italki will give you 100 free lesson credits, which you can then spend in the future. Just one tip for you, if you're if you're looking at italki, one tip. You can use the search teachers function. When you're looking for teachers, you can search uh, for teachers um, in order to find the right teacher for you. Maybe you've got specific needs. And that includes special skills like Cambridge exam preparation or business English. When you search for teachers, you can select the kinds of things that you're interested in. There are little boxes where you can tick those boxes and you can refine your search and find the right teacher for you. Um, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash talk or just um, click an italki logo on my website um, in order to go through my landing page and get a special you know get that special discount that I mentioned earlier on it's a discount on your second purchase all right that should be clear Um, so let me just now give you a couple of comments at the end of the episode just before we finish up here so here are some comments So if you've sent me an email recently, or in fact ever, and I haven't responded, then I am sorry. Um, I can't respond to all of them, but I do read them all, uh, I promise, okay? Um, So I just wanted to say sorry if I haven't responded to your emails. Just in case you were ever in any doubt about my nationality, there there I go again, apologising for something. Um, Is that because I'm English? Is, Is that an English trait? Do the English say sorry a lot? Well, we do say sorry a lot. Definitely. Uh, It's a bit complicated, the reasons why. Um, uh, That's another story for another time. But I'm talking now about uh, when people send me emails and I don't get the chance to reply to them. I do... uh, I do read all of your emails. I love receiving them. Honestly, it's amazing. Uh, I just don't always get the chance to to reply to them. Um, I know what it's like because I also send emails to people and and don't get responses. And so I know how it feels. For example, I'm a huge fan of comedian and podcaster Greg Proops, who comes from San Francisco, and another comedian and podcaster called Adam Buxton, who's from England. He's from London. Uh, I've talked about Greg Proops and Adam Buxton on the podcast before. I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. Um, I met Greg Proops at a book signing in Paris not that long ago. He was signing his book and I went and bought his book and I listened to him talk about it. And then afterwards I queued up. I joined the queue along with everyone else. And I I managed to speak to Greg for about a minute. I got him to sign my book. I felt nervous. I didn't know what to say because he's kind of a hero of mine because I think he's brilliant. Uh, So I met Greg. I shook his hand and I exchanged a few words with him. I told him I was a comedian and he sort of you know, he nodded sagely, you know, he's like, oh, cool, you're a comedian, all right, you know, and that was cool. Um, Now, I wanted to talk to Greg Proops for hours, you know, it was a really exciting moment to meet him. It was a bit awkward, (laughs) to be honest. It was like, oh, you know, I said to him, oh, um, I I really love listening to your podcast, and um, I perform stand-up comedy at the So Gymnast and at the Pan Am Comedy Club here in Paris, and in fact, Greg, you came and, and you, you recorded one of your podcast episodes at the So Gymnast and it was amazing. So, you know, I'm a stand-up comedian like you. And he was like, oh, well, cool, man, cool. You know, he was typically awesome. He was like, cool, man. And he signed my book and he, he wrote in the book, he said, give them the very devil, which is a sort of a, a poetic way of saying, do your best. And it, when he said, give them the very devil, I think he means... Give the audience 
like give the audience your best. It's just a sort of poetic way of saying that, but it sounds sort of mysterious and a little bit dark or something, but it was cool. Um, so give them the very devil, he said. Wow. I'm going to put a photograph of that on the page for this episode so you can see that it's true, all right? True story. I'll put a photograph of the the, the page with his signature on it. Um, you'll see that his handwriting's a bit funny. The way he writes his E's, the letter E, he writes his, his E in a kind of funny way. I'll let you check out the picture if you want to see what I'm talking about. Uh, so, I, yeah, I met Greg Proops. I wanted to talk to him for hours. But in the end, after I talked to him, I just I just said to him, well, nice one. And then I left. Uh, I then wrote him a long email. I remember sitting down next to the, the, the river after meeting Greg um, and uh, I wrote him a long email on my phone telling him how much I enjoyed his podcast, which is called The Smartest Man in the World podcast. Um, and, I, and I wrote a very British invitation to join me on an episode of Luke's English podcast sometime. And when I say a very British invitation, it was the invita- the actual request was sort of embedded within lots of other comments. You know, it was like, oh, you know, I also do like this little podcast and, you know, it's it, it's nothing special really. But, uh, you know, I, I wonder if it would ever be possible to have someone like you on the podcast. I mean, that would be like a dream come true. I don't suppose that you've ever... You, you would ever have the time to to be able to come onto my podcast. No? Okay, never mind. Well, you know, it's just a just an idea, just a thought. I'll just go and jump into the river now and, and then, uh, you know, I'll never bother you again. You know, that it was that kind of invitation. So I've naturally, he, you know, he, he didn't, he didn't reply. I mean, I never got a reply. Um, I, I also sometimes, so that, that was Greg Proops. I also regularly, or well, not that, I sometimes tweet uh, messages and comments to Adam Buxton, who's another person I listen to myself um, uh, all the time. I know I listen to his podcast and other stuff that he's done. That's Adam Buxton. Um, I, I also tweet comments to him all the time. Uh, who And I'm sure that Adam is an absolutely lovely person. I've got no doubt about that. But, you know, I never get a reply to my tweets or a retweet or a like or anything. Get no, almost no response from Adam. Well, I get no response. The only ever response I got from Adam Buxton was when I sent a, a text message to his radio show and him and Joe read out my text uh, on air. They were talking about music that you set on your phone to wake you up. You know, you can have like a ringtone. You can set an MP3 into your phone so it will work as an alarm to wake you up in the morning. And they were sort of going, so we'd like to know what songs you use to wake yourself up in the morning. And I was like, I know. I'm going to send them my song that I that I use. And I texted them something like this. I said, I choose to, to use um, the song... Sex Machine by James Brown, which uh, which sounds like this, of course, just in case you didn't know it, because, I mean, everyone in the universe knows this one, don't they? Anyway, Sex Machine by James Brown sounds like this. One, two, three, four. Get up, get on up, get up, get on up, stay on the scene, get on up, like a sex machine, get on up. It's the perfect song for getting you out of bed, isn't it? It's the perfect song. James Brown's Sex Machine. Get up! Okay, I will get up and start the day, James. Even on a Monday morning, you can't say no to James Brown. Because in that song, 
James Brown is strongly encouraging you to get up um, and like a sex machine, nonetheless, which I think is an, an appropriate start to the day. Um, I managed to squeeze all of that into a text message and they, they read it out on the air. But of course, being the, being this sort of idiot that I am sometimes, I, uh, I forgot to write my name on the text. So they were like, that was a great text, but we've got no idea who sent it in. But if it was you, then well done. I was there going, oh, don't, I forgot to leave my name. Oh, an idiot. Anyway, that's the only contact I've ever had with, with Adam Buxton. So yeah, he never retweets or replies to my messages. But of course, that's that's okay. Uh, I don't mind. Uh, but I do feel a little bit ignored, you know. But again, that's okay. I don't feel entitled to a reply. I don't think he owes me anything. He doesn't, you know, I don't feel entitled to a reply or any attention at all because his part of the deal has already been done. You know, he's already given me hours of lovely talking on his podcast. So he can't be expected to respond to every tweet or email. So I'm totally fine with it, even though, of course, I'm heartbroken. But no, I'm totally fine with it. So anyway, I suppose what I'm trying to get at is that, I'm, you know, I'm sorry if I don't get back to you, but trust me, I honestly, I love re- receiving your messages and I read every single thing. Okay, so thank you for your comments, messages, emails, tweets, and so on. I appreciate your thoughts uh, very, very much. Again, I'd like to say thank you to my Japanese doctor, if he's listening. I doubt it, to be honest, but who knows. I'd like to thank you for not only saving my skin when I was in when I was sick in Japan. Uh, thank you for taking care of me uh, and for giving me medicine and arranging for me to spend two weeks in Kinugasa Hospital near Yokosuka in Japan. Um, uh, thanks for inviting me to your, your place for New Year's Day. I, I had a really good time. I really liked the video that you played to me when we were both drunk on that New Year's Day at about 4.30pm, I think. So we were we were in the house, and uh, I'm, I'm talking to you, the doctor, and everyone else is listening. But anyway, uh, it, it, we were all pretty drunk in this party, and then you suddenly said to me, "Oh, look, look, look at look at this," and um, he played me the video uh, in which you and your band were playing a live version of "Listen to the Music" by the Doobie Brothers, which of course sounds like this. And I think you were playing the drums, uh, Mr. Japanese Doctor. Um, oh, 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 listen to the music. You know that song? I don't know if you've ever heard that, everyone. But anyway, listen to the music by the Doobie Brothers. So you played me a video of you and your band playing that song. And I have to say, it was brilliant. It was awesome. So thanks again, Doctor, Mr. Japanese Doctor Man. Japanese Doctor Sensei? Sensei Doctor. Doctor San. I don't know how I should call you. But anyway, thanks. I can't remember his name. I can't remember your name, but, you know, I, it, it doesn't matter because you sort of saved my life. And, you know, that's the, you know, I, I, I remember uh, your essence, you know. All right. Enough nonsense. Right. Now, hello to anyone listening to this who likes whiskey. Um, and I really hope you enjoyed listening to this episode. There was quite a lot of whiskey involved in it. I'd like to say hello to the people of Scotland, all of you. I hope that you choose to stay in the UK. 
but I had un- I would understand if you choose to leave. Um, um, and uh, I, I I hope that you don't leave, though. I didn't ask Carrick about Scottish independence. Maybe I can do that in a future episode. I'd like to say hello to a, a Japanese lepster called Satomi, who recently came to one of my shows here in Paris. Um, so, Satomi, it was very uh, nice to meet you and your friends after the show. And I'm very glad that you chose to introduce yourself to me. Um, give my regards to Yoshi. By the way, everyone, Yoshi, that's a French guy who, who she was with. Normally, Yoshi is a, is a Japanese name. But in this case, it was a French guy. He chose to call himself Yoshi that evening. I was on stage, you know on stage and not often on stage you will talk to people in the front row and I spoke to them and I ended up speaking to this guy and I was like so what's your name and he was like I'm uh, and he thought about it for ages and I was like don't think about it too long what's your name and he's like uh, my name's Yoshi and I was like all right that you've clearly made that up but that's fine I'm going to go with it so he called himself Yoshi and um so yeah he was a french man that wasn't the cute dinosaur who's friends with Super Mario. Uh, but yes, I had a Yoshi at my show, in, in fact, not long ago. Um, and, it, and also recently, I had a Luigi at the show as well. I had a, someone in the audience called Luigi, an Italian guy. Um, so I've had Yoshi and Luigi. I, I haven't had Mario at the show yet. Never had a Mario. But, you know, let's hope that happens soon. I wonder what that would be like. I wonder what it would be like to have a Mario in my audience. I wonder how he would laugh, for example. Maybe he'd go, wah, 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 you know, which is obviously a, one of the noises that Super Mario makes, isn't it? Uh-huh. Or maybe if I talked for too long without making a joke, Mario would heckle me by saying something like, let's go, you know, let's go, like, let's go, tell me a joke already, let's go. Mm. All right, no, that's not such a good joke, is it? Anyway, but... uh you know, he would say, let's go. And I'd be like, excuse me, Mario, can you stop heckling? And he'd say, it's a Mario time. And I'd say, security move. I don't know why I went. But anyway, I would go, security, remove this man from the room, please. He's disturbing the performance. And then, you know, Mario would be ejected. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so... I'd also like to say hello to the lovely Argentinian couple who listened to this podcast and who also came to another one of my recent comedy shows. It was absolutely lovely to meet you. Nice, lovely Argentinian uh, couple of lepsters. Uh, let's just go back to Japan for a moment. I'd like to say hello to all of my Japanese listeners. I love Japan very much and I miss it a lot. Um, whenever I see pictures of Japan on Facebook or listen to music that I used to listen to when I was living there, I always say, ah... Nihon Natsukashi. Nihon Natsukashi ne, which roughly translates as, ah, oh, good old Japan. And that phrase is used to express feelings of nostalgia. You know, the, those waves of nostalgia that you feel when you remember something? You know, you might see a photo or, you know, perhaps smell some food that brings you right back to a certain place. Or you might actually go to the place and immediately feel a sort of comfort in being there. Well, that's exactly how I feel when I drink a really good cup of Yorkshire tea or something. You know, I'm like, ah, good old Yorkshire tea. Or in Japanese, I suppose it would be like, ah, Yorkshire tea, natsukashi da yo ne. Yorkshire, Yorkshire tea, natsukashi da yo ne. 
So which is like, oh, good old Yorkshire tea. So anyway, you know, also I drink Genmai tea, Genmai cha, and that's like, ah, oh, Nihon Natsukashi. So hello, Japan. I know you're listening. Ogenki desu ka? That's Ogenki desu ka, which is like a bit, a bit like saying, all right, in English. It's, about the equiv- it's like the Japanese equivalent of, all right, how's it going? Genki, um, I do plan to visit Japan with my wife uh, one day. I, I must show her around the place a bit. And I think she'd love it. And I'd also be able to say, ah, Natsukashi, and other Japanese words like, he, and ho, and ho, you know, all those sounds that you make in Japan. Those are words. You know, if you're, if you're in Japan and someone tells you something amazing, like something surprising, you can go, he, he, which is like, wow, really? Like in English, it's like, Really? For example, oh yeah, David Beckham and Victoria Beckham have split up. They're getting a divorce. It's not true. They're not actually getting a divorce. But if they did and someone told you and you were in Japan, you might be able to go, (laughs) okay, so uh, yeah, it would be nice to go drinking in moderation in Japan in an izakaya or something. And perhaps... You know, while drinking with some Japanese people, uh, perhaps one of you might go red in the face and fall asleep or something after having a couple of beers, which is a thing, you know, that is a thing. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but that's a genuine phenomenon that uh, some Japanese people uh, have a reaction to alcohol. It can be a little bit, it can be a bit bad, you know, it can be a health issue. Uh, So anyway, Japan and Japanese people, look after yourselves, okay? Hope you have a nice time. And I'd like to just say hello to all the other nations of the world that listen to this podcast. Of course, this is a Luke's English podcast is a place where nations can come together, you know, when people can can uh, meet each other without uh, without any like weird issues of nationality. You know, the rivalries that we have with different countries. That's not an issue on Luke's English podcast. Everybody's welcome. Um, so. Photos, photos. First of all, photos. Th- uh, Luke's English podcast photo competition. I'm working on that. Okay, the results are going to come through soon, and I'll do an episode in which I announce the winner. So that's happening. Uh, other thing about photos, I will put some photos on the on the uh, web page uh, for this episode. Um, so you'll be able to check below to see some of some pictures of Carrick's funny experience at the German business meeting in Frankfurt at Deutsche Bahn. Uh, if you work at Deutsche Bahn, hello, why don't you get in touch with me? I hope you don't mind the fact that we mentioned that story about the sort of the Scotch whiskey and stuff. It, I think personally, it was a very progressive thing to do in a meeting. I think it's a really, really clever idea. It's very innovative to mix up the meeting, the business meeting with more fun and um, interesting things. It's a good way of bringing new energy into a meeting. And it's also a good way of, you know, uh, buying some really nice Scotch whiskey using the company's money. Uh, I think everyone benefits from that, don't they? So anyway, if you work at Deutsche Bahn, get in touch. I'd like to hear from you. Perhaps you know someone who was at the meeting. It's possible. Um, I'm going to also try and find a picture of me hammering a ball of rice with a wooden mallet to make mochi, which is that rice cake. Uh, there is a picture of me doing that somewhere. I'm going to try and track it down. Uh, so you'll be able to see it, see what it looked like when I was hammering a ball of rice with a wooden mallet to make mochi while wondering what was going on in my life. 
Um, I, I now realise, by the way, what was going on at that moment. Um, I was having a lot of fun, um, a lot of fun indeed. Um, you'll also find the names of Carrick's favourite whiskies and other brand name whiskies that we mentioned in the episode, in case you want to check them out, in moderation, of course. Well, I don't know why I'm saying that. I don't need to say that. It's, this is, it's not an advert for whiskey. And you can do what you want, can't you? Um, so uh, thanks again very much for listening, ladies and gents. That is uh, the end of this episode of the podcast. Uh, and I'll speak to you again in some form or other soon. Well done for getting all the way to the end of this episode. I intended for this episode to be about an hour long and it just sort of dragged on. I mean, it didn't really drag on. That sounds negative. Oh, it just dragged on forever. It's the sort of thing you'd say to mean it was negative. I hope you feel that it hasn't dragged on. I hope you feel that uh, your attention has been um, engaged throughout. Um, so anyway, that's been about, what, an, an hour and a half? A lot of my episodes are an hour and a half these days. I just can't shut up, can I? I can't. Um, anyway, it's all good, isn't it? It's all good for your English. So just think, you've just listened to an hour and a half of solid English. That's bound to make a big difference. It is. It's definitely going to make a difference to your English. It's definitely going to improve things. Go to the website, read the stuff, read a lot of the text that's there. That's also going to help. Um, and, you know, take advantage of the offer from italki. And also, you know, download an audiobook from audible.com. Go to, what is it, teacherluke.co.uk forward slash audible or click an audible logo. You can, you know, that offer is still going. And there are, you know, loads of brilliant audiobooks being released all the time as these books keep being produced and stuff. Check it out. Make the most of all of the things on offer here as Luke's English Podcast expands uh, in various directions. Um, but that now is the end of the episode. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, I look forward to reading your comments. But for now, it's time to say goodbye. Bye, 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 bye. Thanks again for listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. If you enjoyed this episode of Luke's English Podcast, consider signing up for Luke's English Podcast Premium. You'll get regular premium episodes with stories, vocabulary, grammar, and pronunciation teaching from me, and the usual moments of humour and fun. Plus, with your subscription, you will be directly supporting my work and making this whole podcast project possible. For more information about Luke's English Podcast Premium, go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium info.